On this episode, first we've got Vinny Ottominelli. He's the former head of Americas for Salvatore Ferragamo. I ask him, will millennials buy luxury brands the way baby boomers have? Then I talk with Richard Tyson at Frog Design. Richard surprised me by saying the most successful retail environments are the ones that you don't even notice. And here I was thinking retail had to be all flashy and fun. You're listening to Where We Buy, the show about the things we buy and the places we buy them. My name is James Cook. I research retail and real estate for JLL. Before we get into the show, I want to make a quick call to talk to our sponsor. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Long time no talk. Sarah, you are the vice president at Connect Media that's putting on the Connect Retail West conference coming up on January 25th. Tell me a little bit about the conference. What's the content that you guys are planning? So we've got an amazing lineup of content. Um, We are doing a series of keynote conversations on food, fitness, and fashion and what that means for the experiential retail space and really retail from every level. Um, We've got a focus on neighborhood centers and the evolution of those spaces. And we have um, an investment panel talking about everything that's going on in the market. Um, We're going to be at the Hurley Surf Club on January 25th in Huntington Beach at Pacific City, and we're expecting about two to 300 people, and we're really excited for our third annual event. That sounds awesome. I think I might just have to come out there for that. I think you may be speaking. What? What am I talking about? (laughs) Um, You tell me. What are you talking about? I think I'm going to be talking um, kind of like my topic du jour is about how to predict the future of retail. There's all these different retail concepts. And I think, frankly, some are going to be shifting online and others are here to stay. And so I'm going to give a short talk on just sort of uh, the cliff's notes on how we make those predictions. I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Awesome. So the conference is called Connect Retail West. It's on January 25th. It's at the Hurley Surf Club. Uh, which is at Pacific City in Huntington Beach. Um, If they want to register, they can go to connectconferences.com. And is there maybe, uh, I don't know, a little discount you can toss to my listeners? Yeah. So if you enter the code where we buy, all one word, we'll take 20% off your registration. That's awesome. Cool. Well, Sarah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Great. Thanks, James. Okay. Bye-bye. I visit a lot of stores every year. And going into high-end stores, it's not always that comfortable or relaxing an experience. We were in Soho in New York a few weeks ago, and one of the salespeople at a luxury light shoe store, which I will not name, corrected my pronunciation of one of the names of their fine Italian shoes. And I felt like Julia Roberts being looked down upon (laughs) in Pretty Woman at that store in Rodeo Drive. From my point of view, luxury retailers need to make shoppers feel special, exclusive, important, but not be snobs about it. That's why talking to Vinny Ottominelli is such a total breath of fresh air. I met up with Vinny and also Richard Tyson um, before the three of us 
um, went on stage for a panel um, that I moderated a few weeks ago at the Javits Center. It was uh, part of the ICSC New York National Conference. We crowded around together in a room with some others chattering around us, so please excuse the background noise. Vinny is probably the most down-to-earth guy you could meet, and he's a luxury industry veteran. I was with Ferragamo for 14 years, um, and the luxury segment, you know, just like retail overall, is uh, you know going through some changes. Um, there is a fair amount of disruption in the industry and how consumers are shopping really across across the board from high-end luxury to moderate to even entry level and I find it interesting as we all really have to define our brands and what what's the presentation and perception we want to leave is luxury suffering from the perception that it's a baby boomer thing that that it's it's older people who shop at luxury and the young people aren't aren't, aren't spending money on luxury no, I don't think so I mean I, I think that you know, luxury has so many different categories and price points, and I do think that you know people like great product, and and luxury usually really represents great craftsmanship, usually an affiliation with arts, and um and I think that regardless of your income level or um, what stage you are in your professional career, I think that fascinates people, right? So and and you can start off with entry price points, licensed products like sunglasses and fragrances. Uh, to key fobs and belts. And then as your career grows, you'll grow into shoes and leather uh, accessories, etc. Do you think it's wise for luxury retailers to lower, like I, you, you, you mentioned there's, there's entry-level products, but do you think it's wise to lower prices or does that affect the perception of the product in the market? No, I don't think it's wise to, to lower product, uh, prices. I do think that um, for, the, for the product that's being developed, I think that um, the appropriate price that the market could withstand is what we should be charging, whether you're in luxury or in the moderate. Um, but to intentionally lower prices and do lower margins, I don't think that's the proper practice. I'm very curious about how luxury plays online because I think of luxury as a physical thing. Is there a place for, on, for online e-commerce for luxury brands? Absolutely. I think that we're all learning today that the consumer is shopping in so many different ways. And I think what's most important is that retailing is a social experience. And consumers are looking for that online and in-store. And you may want to research online first and then shop in-store or vice versa. A luxury consumer usually is a well-traveled customer. And they may be traveling somewhere in the United States, not where they live. They'll shop inside of the store and maybe they'll complete their transaction online. So I think it's luxury businesses and all businesses really need to learn the omni-channel approach and what really the omni-channel really represents for them. So I think it's a, from a luxury perspective, it's not negatively impacting, it's another tool in how your brand ought to be perceived. And does that mean we need fewer stores in the luxury sector? Great question. I, I don't think so. You know, I do think that every brand will have to take a look at their retail network but I do think that they need to work together. It's one approach. And I think the consumer looks to touch a brand in different ways, whether it's online, um, whether it's in a store, and that means a full price boutique or even an outlet store. And I think that you really need to make it entertaining. You need to, brands need to get customers excited about coming into a shopping uh, a brick and mortar store. And same, same, you know, consumers need to be excited about going online and viewing your brand. I'm always interested in how brands are successful 
in embodying themselves in a physical space? I just think that's a fascinating question. So it was great to talk to Richard Tyson at Frog Design. Now, you could be forgiven for not knowing the name Frog Design, but you absolutely know their work. We're talking some of the true icons of the last century. Uh, The Sony Walkman. They designed the Apple IIc, which was the much cooler and sleeker version of the Apple II Plus that I had as a kid. I was always envious. And today they design uh, consumer products, software, and retail environments. So I asked Richard, how do we design exciting environments for shoppers? I don't think it's a question of like tactics, you know, how do you tactically make a place better? I think it's more a matter of purpose. You know, what are the experiences that are related to the purpose of a brand or a product and how are they connected to someone's life? Um, What's interesting about how you, you know, engage people is to really understand how you fit into the flow of their life, like deeply understanding the things that they want and their motivations and creating spaces and interactions that they desire, that they can use for the purpose that that they have. And so how do brands come to them? It's a a much more pull uh, than push situation, uh, if that makes sense. What kind of tools do you use to figure that out? Is it focus groups or... Um, we, well, so at Frog, what we, we tend to do is we try to understand not, um, we tend to, um, not use focus groups. Um, we use surveys sometimes, mostly we really want to live with the customer and follow their journey. So let's take an example of a, you know, if you're an athletic brand and you, you want to know where people work, you want to know where they work out, you want to know what they do at home, you want to know what, they, what, you know, when they play, you know, when they relax, when they compete. And you want to know where all of the connections are between those moments so that you can play a role in whatever the purpose is that your brand has for their life. Um, because you can be relevant in all of those places. Um, in the store, you can be relevant in terms of you know touch, feel, experience, human interaction. Um, but at home, it'll be much more potentially a digital experience. Or out in the world, you may use you may people may want to use a camera to capture and share moments that could actually have retail implications. So how do you figure out for every brand what those moments are? What are those places that are either in the store or out of the store? And then how do you design for the connection between those moments, not just the moments themselves? What's a cool environment, retail environment or otherwise, that you visited recently that really knocked your socks off? You know, it's funny. It's like um, I tend to not think about um, retail as what knocks my socks off, um, but more um, as what um, is so embedded in my life that I wouldn't know it, right? So the successful brands are the ones that become so part of your everyday existence. So, um, you know, I'll just use Warby Parker as an example. I recently bought these glasses that you're looking at right now that the audience can't see, you know, um, from Warby Parker. And I hadn't actually bought a, a pair for something like five years. Um, and I go online and I find that they've remembered a whole bunch of interesting things about me. Um, they've actually saved a number of things about me. But I can also go to the Soho store, you know, to go with my wife to try stuff on. But I can also take a photograph of myself in the glasses and share it with my wife like when I'm at work. So there's this seamlessness to the experience that only when I reflect on it do I realize how seamless it is. When I run into some other omni-channel experience and I realize it's much more like turning 
channels on a television. You know, for those of you who remember those old days when you could turn the, you could actually turn, 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 turn the channel. Um, that's not the experience that omni-channel should be. Um, it's actually, oh wait, it's it's Warby Parker everywhere. Now it happens to be the physical version. Now it happens to be the online version. How do you create that seamlessness? That's what really, um, that's the thing that really gets me interested, um, almost in the, the the boring, you know, of it, because um, it's so, you know, soaked into my habits. So it's like the air. You don't even notice it. You're just breathing it in and living it. Yeah, it's like if you if you're really trying if you if you're trying to sort of compete with all the other things that are trying to create attention by the consumer. Um, the ones who win are the ones that don't have to create that attention because they're already there. They're already part of that habit, right? So now retail is really now about habit formation, you know, and, and that habit formation doesn't happen with like measuring your transaction. It happens with understanding the numbers of relationship touch points you have over time. It's now a time series business. You know, that's where LTV comes from. That's where, um, so how do you design for that purposeful set of relationships that become a habit for the customer? Like, how do you think about building healthy habits with the customer? So you now have to think on their behalf and they have to think on your behalf. So now it's a two-way relationship. Whereas before it was very much a onstage, offstage we're performing now, you know, um, Warby Parker has a much more, oh, no, wherever you are, that's where I am. And I, and I care. If you're under 40, let me tell you how it was back in the day. You're sitting there watching TV. You don't like what you're watching. So you get up, you walk over to the TV, and there's this manual dial, and you click, 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 past all the snow and past all the faraway stations that don't come in well until you get to the next one of the five or six or seven channels that you actually do get. And if you click too fast, mom would yell at you because you're going to break the TV. It's just like bad omni-channel retail. It's like clicking painfully from one channel to the other. It's disconnected, isolated experiences. So you've got the retailer's app, their website, their mobile site, their store, maybe they even have a paper catalog. And you feel like each one of those is one of five completely different unconnected businesses. And luxury retailers are going to have to do this better than anybody else if they want to be successful. And that's because luxury shoppers in particular expect so much more from a store. They are spending so much money they expect to be special, important, to be noticed. They want to know and be known. When they roll into the shop on Fifth Avenue or that brand's shop on Michigan Avenue or Rodeo Drive or maybe they're just browsing the website on their phone, they want to be known. They want their preferences to be known wherever they're shopping. Heck, they're paying enough, right, to expect it. So that's going to be the challenge of the future for designers like Richard and all the other retail designers that we've got out there. So I've got a question for you. What do you expect retailers to do right that they still haven't quite got it all figured out yet? Leave a message on the Where We Buy hotline 
and I might use your voice on an upcoming show. The number is 602-633-4061. If you want to meet up with me in California in late January, I'll be at the Connect Retail West event. That's January 25 at the Hurley Surf Club in Huntington Beach. If you want to register, go to connectconferences.com and register for Connect Retail West with promo code where we buy, that's all one word, all lowercase, where we buy, and you'll get 20% off your registration. You're welcome. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend about it. If you want to see more retail research, go to jllretail.com and click on Retail Intelligence. You can subscribe to Where We Buy on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or go to wherewebuy.show. Special thanks to Richard Tyson and Vinny Ottominelli for joining me for those interviews. Uh, thanks to Stan Glantz, who was the person who helped organize the panel at ICSC New York. And uh, special thanks to Adam Cook, who uh, helped set me up with Richard Tyson. And thanks to Bob Gibson, who put me in connection with Vinny Ottominelli. Thanks to all you guys. It takes a village. Thank you.